you have your Bibles, let's turn to Luke chapter 10. We're so glad you're here tonight. Luke chapter 10, verse number 17. Luke chapter 10, verse number 17. Wasn't um, Charmaine heading last week? Wasn't that amazing, some of the things she shared with us about the persecuted church? Because of your generosity, we was able to give her, and you know, we didn't announce this or anything, and she, we just let her come, and because of your generosity, we was able to give her $3,500 because of your generosity. Thank you. Thank you so very, very much. Let's look at Luke chapter 10, verse number 17 through 20. It's where we'll be reading to begin with. Jesus is talking here. He says, When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Verse 18. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Tonight and next Wednesday, I want to I wanna teach you on a subject that I believe is very needed and helpful. And one that has helped Amanda and I so much since we learned that. And I want to teach you on the authority of the believer. The authority your authority as a Christian, your authority in the realm of the Spirit. You know, a lot of people uh, get confused on this because as Christians, we're supposed to be meek. As Christians, we're supposed to be tender. As Christians, we're supposed to be submissive. And a lot of people have a view of Christians as being passive and not resist and not stand up and things of that nature, just if, if, if somebody hits you on one side of the face, let them hit you, turn the face, and let them hit you on the other side of the face, and that's good, but then it doesn't say nothing there if they hit both sides of the face. You can just beat the fire out of them. That's, 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 that's the way I interpret that scripture. But a lot of people have a misconception of, and they get confused. They say, well, as Christians, we don't need to stand up. We don't, we need to be passive. Well, that might be true in the natural realm to an extent, to an extent, but it's not true in the spiritual realm. It's not true in the spiritual realm. We are taught in the spiritual realm, in the Word of God, to stand up, to resist the enemy, and he'll flee from us. And uh, so I want to talk to you, and a lot of Christians don't realize their authority in the spiritual realm. Look with me at Hosea chapter 4, verse number 6. Notice what it says. This is the prophet Hosea. Hosea was written, uh, some scholars say 400 years before the birth of Christ. Some scholars say 700 years, probably about 400 years before the birth of Christ. And the prophet Hosea had a word from the Lord for the people of Israel. And this is what he said. My people, God says this, my people, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being priests for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And then he, and then he says something that really concerns me. He says, because you've rejected knowledge. 
See, he's talking, he's talking to two groups of people. He's talking to people who, never, who are ignorant because they never were taught. And he's talking to people who were taught, but then they rejected it. Notice what he says. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. That could be people who were never taught, and they're still destroyed anyway. And then he says, because you have rejected knowledge, this is people who heard but turned their back on it and rejected it. And notice what he says. If you reject it, I will reject you from being priests for me. Now, now listen to what he's saying here. He's saying if you just have never been taught, destruction and the lack of knowledge will bring destruction your way. There's some things you can learn and know that you could prevent some things that would come to destroy you. He's saying, so if you've never been taught, if you've never learned, if you've never heard, then the consequences could be destruction because you just don't know any better. But then he says, if you know but reject it, then he says, I will reject you from being priests. And notice what he says, and because you have forgotten, I will also forget your children. In other words, your children, because you have not taught them the word of God, because you've rejected it, now all of a sudden my blessings, it doesn't mean that he's mad at your children and he's going to punish them. It just means my blessings will not come to them because they don't, they don't take advantage of what's available to them. So knowledge is powerful. It is a powerful thing. I try to tell our young people all the time. I say, what are you going to do when you graduate from high school? I get them, try to encourage them. Some of them, we've said, they've said, I'm not going to graduate from high school. I'm just going to drop out. I say, you're not going to drop out. I'm, we're not going to let you drop out. You're not going to drop out. Now, what are you going to do after you graduate? Well, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just not going to go to school. I'm not going to go to try. I say, you've got to go. Education is the separator in America today. It will separate you. It gives you an advantage. And the Lord says it here. He says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. A lack of knowledge. The word destroyed here in this passage is very alarming. It means to silent, to cause to cease, to cut off that which is laid waste. That's what it means, to cut off, to cause to cease. That which is laid waste, to be silent. The word lack here means to be short of. So when the word says, my people are destroyed, he says, my people are cut off. My people become silent. They, they cannot fill the voids in their life. My, my people are cut off. They become silent. They are laid waste because of they are short of knowledge. Notice they are not cut off because of Satan's too big. And they're not cut off because God's not big enough. They are cut off or destroyed because of their lack of knowledge. Knowledge is powerful. Many believers today are being silenced. They're being cut off. They're being laid waste because they're short of knowledge. That's why almost every service, somewhere I try to encourage all of us to spend some time reading the Word of God. Every one of us need to have some kind of devotional material that we're feeding our mind and putting into our hearts the incorruptible seed, the Word of God. It is 
The Word of God is not a, a historical book, although it's very accurate historically. But the Word of God is alive and powerful. It's a living book. It's the only book of its kind in all the whole world. You read it. It was written hundreds of years ago, but you read it today, and it's like somebody sitting at your dinner table talking to you about what's going on in your life. It's alive. And we, every day, every one of us needs some kind of devotional. Pastor, what, where can I get a devotional? Go over to Lifeway. Get on Amazon and get a daily devotional. Ten minutes, 15 minutes every day, putting the Word of God in our heart. Many believers today have a general knowledge. Many believers, you go to every church in this city, Protestant church in this city, And if they've been there very long, they'll have a general knowledge that Jesus died on the cross for their sins. Most Christians in this community, why are you a Christian? Well, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And that's wonderful knowledge, great knowledge. You can't become a Christian unless you know that. But they are unaware of all the rich benefits of Christ's resurrection. They know he died for them, but that's as far as their, their, their knowledge goes. They are unaware of the benefits... He not only died, he was raised from the dead. And he died for our sins, but he was raised for our resurrection. And many of us are just unaware. We've never been taught the benefits of Christ's resurrection in our life. Look with me at Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Let's look at verse number 16. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. I'm reading now the New King James Version. That's King James' son. So the New King James. Then the eleven disciples, the eleven disciples, you know Judas Judas hung himself. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, this is during, this is the time between his death, burial, and resurrection, and the time he ascended into heaven. So this is that season from the time he was resurrected from the dead and the time he ascended into heaven. It's during that span of time. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying... Now notice what he says. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Notice he says, all authority has been given to me where? Heaven and where else? And on earth. See, a lot of people miss that. They think, well, yeah, he's in heaven. He's got authority in heaven. The heavens listen to him. But he's not only been given authority in heaven, he's been given authority on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. 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 Not just America. All the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Now that's what it says in the New King James. Let me read you. How many grew up with the King James Version? All right. The King James. The thous and the these and the thuses. All right. Let me read it to you from the King James. Notice what the King James says in Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given to me in heaven and earth. All power is given to me in heaven and earth. Now go back to the New King James and look at verse 18. Verse 18. Next slide, bud. Here's, notice what it says. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. 
The King James uses the word power. The New King James uses the word authority. And the New King James and many of the modern translations are accurate and more correct than the King James here on this one. Because in the New Testament, the Koine Greek and especially the King James, there is two words uh, for power. There's the word dunamis, dunamis, which means power, ability, and might. Okay, let me give you an example where dunamis is used in the Greek. Turn to Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 1, Jesus is getting ready to ascend to the heavens, and he's talking to, to his disciples, 120 of them, or 500 of them at this time. He's talking to 500, and this is what he says. But ye shall receive power. That word power there is dunamis. It's talking about ability. It's talking about might, power. He says you will receive might. You will receive ability. You will receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So he's talking about a supernatural power, a supernatural ability. He says, you shall receive power, ability, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, that's what the King James says. Well, look what it says in the New Living Translation. Same verse. Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power. Same word, same word, translated the same way. So there's a word for the, there's a translation for the word power. It's the word uh, dunamis, which means ability and might. But also, there's another word in the, in the Koine Greek that the King James doesn't interpret, but it's a, tr- a real word. It's the word exousia. Exousia, it means authority. The legal right to exercise. Authority, the legal right to exercise. And that's what Jesus said to the disciples in Matthew 28. He says, I give you authority, the right to exercise over demons, spirits. That's what he's saying. He didn't say, I give you ability he says, I give you authority to exercise. Now, now let, me, let, me, let me try to explain to you the difference in authority and power. Authority and power. Everybody still with me? Everybody, I don't want to lose you here. Authority and power. I love, I don't enjoy driving down Memorial Boulevard during school, when school's getting out. How many like that? How many just love? I, it's school's getting out down here at Middle Tennessee Christian Academy. Let's go for a drive and just drive right in the middle of that. I don't usually hear people say that. I don't enjoy But I do enjoy going down there every once in a while and just seeing the little lady crossing guard. She is amazing. These huge vehicles are going by, these big dump trucks and semis and, and guys in these jacked up vehicles and people are going by and this is what she's doing. She never changes. Nothing ever gets her. You don't see her go, ooh, ooh, come on, come on. She just... Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
I just, I just, it amazes me. A couple of times I've just stopped, pulled in over at the bank and just parked just to watch this lady. And I prayed, Lord, teach me how to handle stress like this woman handles stress. She is so deliberate and never seems to get rattled regardless of the traffic. She is not a large lady. She's a petite little girl. And in fact, she appears very petite. But when she steps into traffic or gives a signal (laughs) with her hands, everyone on Memorial Boulevard, regardless of what you're driving, suddenly slow down and pay attention. See, the size of the lady does not determine her ability to stop or direct the vehicles. She does not stop or direct the vehicles with her ability or her might. The vehicles obey her commands because of her authority. In fact, the little lady doesn't have the ability, the might, the strength, to be able to stop one single vehicle. But the drivers of the trucks and cars weighing thousands of pounds more than her see her uniform and recognize the authority behind that uniform. And this is what we have to understand as a believer. The value of authority rests on the power, ability, and might that is behind that authority. The value of that authority rests on the power, ability, and might that is behind that authority. The little lady at Memorial Boulevard and M. Middle Tennessee Christian School intersection can't stop a vehicle at all. But she is backed by the Rutherford County School Board. Who is backed by the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department. Who is backed by the Tennessee Highway Patrol. Who is backed by the Tennessee National Guard. Who is backed by the United States National Guard. Who is backed by all the branches of the military of the entire United States of America. In fact... If that little lady crossing guard puts her hand up for you to stop and you refuse to stop, by 6 p.m. that night, the Navy SEALs will be at your door. (laughs) She doesn't have the ability, the might to stop you, but she carries the authority of the United States in her hand. As a child of God, God himself is behind our authority. You might be up against something tonight that you don't have the ability or the might to change. But God can change anything. And he backs your authority. The devil and the devil forces recognize that authority. I'm telling you, this weekend, you can do more damage to the devil's Uh, plans and schemes by usurping authority in the spirit realm and prayer than you can by going down there holding up a sign and getting in the way. See? Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. The Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit says this, a final word 
Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Notice what the Holy Spirit says. He doesn't tell Christians to be strong in ourselves. He says to be strong in the ability or the might of the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. We often fail and come up short because we are constantly trying to overcome things in our own strength. And you just, we're not a match for some of the things we come up against within ourselves. Now here's, what I, here's, here's something I want you to remember tonight. Satan, when it comes to you and comes to your destiny in life and comes to my destiny in life, and Satan is a defeated foe. He is a defeated enemy. When it comes to God's plan for you being blessed and fulfilled and, and fulfilling your purpose in life and your children fulfilling their purpose in life, understand Satan is a defeated enemy. He's defeated. In God's eyes, he's defeated. But most of us don't see him that way. They see him as the big bad wolf and we're constantly trying to stay away from him. But we need to change our whole perspective because Satan is a defeated foe when it comes to us and God's plan for our life and for our children. Look at chapter 10, Luke chapter 10 again, verse number 17. Let's look at 17. Luke chapter 10, verse number 17. Then the seventy returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in Jesus, in your name. Our interaction with the devil, our interaction with the devil, always should be with the consciousness that we have an authority over him because he is a defeated enemy. I hear Christians, well, don't say that the devil get on your back. Oh, don't, don't say that. Don't say that. We don't want him after us. They are scared of him. Our our interaction with him should always be he's defeated. He is a two-time loser. He is a defeated enemy. Looking at the entire chapter of Luke 19, if you look at the entire chapter of Luke 19, we read where Jesus had sent out 70 disciples to minister in his name. They come back with this report. And notice their report, verse 17 again. Notice verse 17 again. Then the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. The Moffat translation says it this way, the very demons obey us in your name. They obey us in your name. Now here's what's interesting. It's interesting that the demons were subject to the disciples before Jesus had died on the cross and even been resurrected. When Jesus sent them out, remember, he hadn't died on the cross. He hadn't been resurrected from the dead. He just sent them out and said, go teach and cast out devils. Freely you've received, freely give. And the devils are subject to them. The devils obey them even before Jesus Christ had ever died on the cross and paid the price for their sin. These people that are ministering are not even born again believers and still the devil is subject to them. Because they're using the name of Jesus. Why? Why? Why is that? Because Jesus is the one who kicked Satan out of heaven. Satan already, Satan, when Jesus, before he ever showed up, he had already had an encounter with Jesus. Jesus had kicked him out of heaven. 
Remember, Jesus was the Word of God. He was with God and He was God in the beginning. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10, verse 18. Notice what it says. Jesus said this. They said, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus said this. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Jesus said, I was there when he fell. You say, when did that happen? Well, turn over to Isaiah chapter 14. Go back to the Old Testament. Prophet Isaiah, he had a revelation on it. He says, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. Notice who weakened the nations, Satan. See, he, he exercised authority over the nations. That's why a nation needs to serve the Lord. A nation doesn't need to forget God. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mountain of the congregation on the father's sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. Now, turn with me to Revelation chapter 12. The book of Revelation is, a, is an amazing book. It's about things... The book of Revelation is really a revelation of Jesus Christ and things that are to come upon the earth. But then there's segments of it that go back to the beginning of time. Okay? And this is one of those segments. Revelation chapter 12, verse number 7. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. That's exactly what Jesus was talking about in Luke chapter 10, when the disciple says, even the devils are subject to us in your name. And Jesus said, well, I know that. I saw him fall from heaven. I was there when I kicked his butt out from heaven. That's what he's talking about. See, Jesus dethroned Satan in the heavenly realm and then came to earth, born of a virgin, to exercise authority over Satan on earth. He kicked him out of heaven. He dethroned him up there. And then he came down here because Satan was cast out to the earth. Then he came down here and dethroned him down here. See? And then he gives us the authority to do the same. Here's what you and I need to understand. Satan's a two-time loser. He's a two-time loser. Satan is a shameful, vanquished enemy who has been embarrassed in the heavenlies and on the earth. He's been embarrassed in the heavenlies and on the earth. His power has been stripped from him. His power today lies in his deception. But when a child of God, a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, comes to recognize their authority in Jesus' name, they will stop allowing Satan to exercise deception over their life. Everybody with me? Years ago, before I knew these things, I would touch on my authority as a believer in prayer. I'd get my prayer time and something would rise up within me and I would, I would touch on my authority in prayer. 
praying for people and our Spirit of God would rise up in me and I'd touch on it, but I didn't know really what I was doing. Then I learned to pray the prayers of the Apostle Paul. Turn with me to one of them, Ephesians chapter 1. I prayed it for myself today. I pray these prayers every single day. In fact, if you don't pray these prayers, let me encourage you to do so. These are prayers that the Apostle Paul prayed. And we know that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's God-breathed. So we say it like this. These are God-inspired prayers. These are not man-inspired prayers. These are God-inspired prayers. And notice what he says. Paul prays this. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my what? Prayers. And then he tells them what he prays to the Christians. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope of which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his comparably great power for us who believe. That power, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is named, that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And as God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now, I committed this prayer to heart back years ago when I was learning the things of God, and I learned it. In the King James. And every day, for this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's Ephesians 3. He says, how does it start here? Verse 16. How does it start again? Somebody read verse 16 to me. Huh? I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers that the eyes of my understanding being enlightened, that I may know what is the hope of his calling and the riches of his glory of his inheritance in saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places far above principality, power, might, dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but the world which is to come. I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Listen to, what, listen to what Paul says to pray for as Christians. He says, pray that you get an understanding. Pray that your eyes are open. Pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation that you would know the hope of his calling. The hope. Hope is the joyful expectation of good. The joyful expectation of good. That you would have a joyful expectation of your salvation. That it'd be fun to be saved. It'll be exciting to be saved. Not going around carrying the burdens of this world. Oh, it's tough being a Christian. No, he says, I want you to know the joyful expectation of your salvation. And then he says, I want your eyes to be open to the riches. That word riches means full supply of the benefits of being in Christ. And then notice what he says. I want your eyes to be open to his great power that's available to every believer. 
God wants us to know how fun it is to be saved. He wants us to know all the full supply of inheritance that we have in Christ Jesus. And he wants us to know the great power that's available to us as believers in Christ Jesus. As believers, the source of our authority is found in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and his exaltation to the right hand of God the Father. When God raised Jesus from the dead, it was the mightiest act ever recorded. Listen, mankind can take life, but mankind cannot give life. And God gave life. And nobody has ever come close. It's not that act alone has never been equaled. We've gone to the moon. We've sent things to the other most universe. But we can't give life. We can take life. We've invented all kind of ways to destroy life. But we can't give life. That's something that's never been done before. And God did it. When God raised Jesus from the dead and gave life, it was the greatest, most powerful act ever done. And that same power, he says, is available to you. And it's available to me as a believer. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we are dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Now notice this. And raised up together. You've been raised up. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the greatest power on earth, never been equaled by humans. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead raised us up too. And made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. No wonder Paul said it this way. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Why? Because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. It dwells in you. It dwells in you. Death which man had feared forever. Death, which there had no solution and there was no remedy for death. Mankind has no solution or remedy or substitute for death. Jesus defeated death. And the same power that he used to defeat death now lives in you. And he says, I pray that your eyes, your understanding would be enlightened, would open up to just, if you could just see it just a little bit, what power is available to you as a believer in Christ Jesus. Then you'll never shrink at the devil when he brings attacks or traps your way. Everybody with me? Let me finish. Let me read this one verse, one chapter, and we'll finish. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 41. The Bible says when Jesus was raised from the dead, we were raised up with him. And you know, it's, uh, it's interesting there in Ephesians uh, chapter 2. It says, we were raised up with him and made to sit together with him. Made to sit together with him in heavenly places. Made to sit together with him. We know Jesus is now at the right hand of God the Father, ever living to make intercession for us. The right hand of God the Father is the seat of authority. All right? We've been raised together and made to sit with him. That's what it says. We've been raised up and sitting with him. That's why we never look up at the devil, we look down at the devil. Okay? Now, 
Look at Genesis chapter 41. How many remember this fellow by the name of Joseph? And how blessed he was. Lied about. Lied about. Treated wrongfully. Thrown in prison. Talking about a, talking about a, a sibling rivalry. His own brothers tried to kill him and threw him in. And, told, and then lied to their daddy about him. And then he's lied about in prison. I mean, forgotten about. I mean, this guy's had it rough. But he keeps a good spirit, keeps his heart open to the Lord. And then he, this guy had dreams, and Joseph interprets these dreams. And it so impresses Pharaoh, we pick it up in Genesis chapter 41, verse 37. So the advice, the advice, advice that Joseph had given Pharaoh about these dreams was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all of his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Insomuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning, as wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Isn't that amazing? All of Egypt listened to Joseph. Slave boy. Dungeoned boy. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. There's only one, one person greater than you in this whole land, and that's me, Pharaoh said. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Verse 42. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand, put it on Joseph's hand, and he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He must have played NBA basketball gold chain around his neck and he now notice verse 43 and he had him ride in the second chariot which he had now notice this and when joseph passed by they cried out before him bow the knee so he set him over all the land of egypt pharaoh also said to joseph i am pharaoh and without your consent no man may lift his hand or foot in all the land of egypt see God blessed Joseph and he was raised up and made to sit in the seat of authority right beside Pharaoh. God raised us up when he raised Jesus from the dead. When you were born again, that water baptism we're going to do this Sunday is you're dying and going into the water dead man and you're coming up raised to walk in newness of life. But in the spiritual realm, you're raised up and you've been made to sit with Jesus at the right hand of the authority. And when Satan goes by you, all you just need to say is bow the knee. Bow the knee. I will not receive that over my children. Bow the knee. I will not receive that over my finances. You bow the knee. I have authority over you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I was 10 years old and I was in the fourth grade and I learned, the, I learned something about authority. Um, I was in the fourth grade and, it, you know, it was the spring. I remember it was the spring. And, uh, and we went out at recess after lunch. We had lunch, and then we'd do some, little, do some work in our class. And the teacher always made it. Miss Hyatt was her name. And she always made it. If you got your work done, you could go out a little early for recess. Okay? So uh, uh, for, that, for some reason one day, I, I was not the first one to get my work done. You ever known that? 
had, had those days. Uh, in fact, I was toward the end getting my work done. I was, somebody had, uh, probably a Church of Christ kid had me distracted or something, talking about baptism or music in the church or something like that. But anyway, I was, I was, I was doing, my, and I remember I got my work done. I was so excited. I put my stuff, you had to put it underneath your desk, and you had to sit there for a second, and then you raised your hand. She made us raise our hand. And yes, I said, can I go out, Miss Height? I raised my hand. She said, yes, Eddie. I said, I'm finished. Can I go outside and play? And I never will forget her response. She's sitting at her desk. She looked at me. She said, I don't know, can you? I'm 10 years old. I'm thinking, nah, she's got white hair, but maybe she didn't hear me. So I raised my hand. She said, yes, Eddie. I said, Miss Hyde, I'm finished my work. Can I go outside and play? I don't know, Eddie. Can you? I said, can I? She said, can you? This went on a couple of times. I've, I, I, I know I had to look of bewilderment. She said, Eddie, you're asking the wrong thing. Can denotes ability. You should ask, may I? I believe I saw you walk into class from lunch. Your legs, you have the ability with your legs to go outside. But you need permission to go outside. You ask, may I? The Bible says, the Bible says that Satan walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He has to have our permission. He doesn't have the ability. We have the ability in Christ Jesus. He has to have our permission to eat our lunch and to devour us. And if you understand your authority in Christ Jesus that you've been raised up and made to sit with Christ Jesus in heavenly places, the place of ultimate authority. You can speak to the mountain, and the mountain will be moved. You can understand nothing is impossible with God. Cancers will go away. Kidney problems will be healed if you understand your authority. It's not about ability. It's about authority. Amen.